4: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, January 29th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... On when the heels of the governor's state-of-the-state state education reform activists take to the Capitol, we hear from school choice proponents, skeptics, and legislators tasked with determining the fate of the education scholarship account. Then, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, we examine the risks of acetaminophen overdosage. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. More than 800 children from Mississippi Charter Public and Private Schools rallied at the Capitol on Tuesday in recognition of National School Choice Week. Grant Callen is the founder and president of Empower Mississippi. He spoke to the crowd about the organization's mission regarding school choice.
5: What are these yellow scarves all about? Right? That's a question. School choice. So what is school choice? There you go. There you go. School choice is a simple notion that all kids are unique, that parents and teachers know their kids best, and kids ought to be matched with the best school for them. It's that simple. It's about kids going to public school and magnet schools and charter schools and homeschool and private schools and wherever they can get a great education. That's what it's all about. That's what we're here to celebrate. Celebrate. All children, not just those born into wealthy families, all children deserve access to a great education, not just those born into the right zip code. And it shouldn't be that you could grow up and have great access to a great education on one side of the street and right across the street on the other side, you don't have the same access to a great education. So we got a lot of work to do. But thankfully, we are making progress. Mississippi's making progress. Our lawmakers, as you've heard some this morning, are starting to create new education options for kids. we got charter schools now. we got dyslexia scholarships. we got magnet schools, education scholarship accounts, and some great public schools. All of these have opened doors of opportunities to kids. And our traditional public schools are also making great progress. But for all our progress, there is still 100,000 kids in D and F rated districts. Thousands of families across the state who don't live near a charter school, who don't have access to the ESA. Opportunity for them has not come fast enough. You know what? This is our fifth year in a row. And this is always the most positive, diverse, exciting event at the Capitol every year. This is not a Democrat event. This is not a Republican event. This is a Mississippi event. But you know what? Some have looked at these scarves and said, this event is divisive. Some have said these scarves stand for or symbolize a disdain for public school. Well, let me set the record straight. That could not be further from the truth. We absolutely support public education. We absolutely support schools around the state that are giving many, many children a world-class education. This is not about one type of education over another. It's about making sure every child has access to a great education. We simply believe in trying to lift those schools that are struggling and support the teachers who have dedicated their lives to this. And when any school, public or private, is not allowing students to thrive, we believe students deserve to find a school that will.
4: Grant Callen is the founder and president of Empower Mississippi. Dr. Tamala Boyd-Shaw is the founder of Lafleur Legacy Academy in Greenwood. She says for her, school choice is about providing hope to those who need it.
5: Choice in education is not a mere abstraction. Like its economic cousin, free enterprise, and its political cousin, democracy, it affords hope and opportunity. If he were here to hear this quote being repeated, I would say to him, Mr. 40th US President Ronald Reagan,
4: I could not have said it better myself. John Wells is a parent of an 11-year-old who he says has benefited from the policies put forth by school choice advocates. He shared his story at the rally.
1: I come and speak to you today in pride, pride of my state, of our leadership, that they're leading the charge in this country to to give all of us the choice to be able to choose where we want to send our children to school. Because parents, you guys know, the people who know our children best – is us. We know our kids' situation. We know their nuances and what they can handle and what they can't. My daughter, uh, we, we adopted Jalen when she was five years old. She had had encephalitis. Uh, it was a, a, an infection in her brain, and it, it caused her to have some, some issues, uh, which made it harder for her to learn. Uh, at five years old, when we had her, she was nonverbal. She uh, knew two or three words, yes, no, water, Uh, Had never spent a day in school. Uh, We had started out sending her to to public school, and they were great, they were really fantastic, but she just needed a little bit more one-on-one care, a little smaller class size, and uh, 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 our CASA worker actually had told us about uh, ESA, and we applied, and we, we got approved in 2016. And this allowed us to be able to get her speech therapists and tutors, and uh, we were able to get her a cu- curriculum. Uh, and I'm proud to say that Jalen is, this, this last term was on the A and B honor roll in her fourth grade class. She's 11 years old. Uh, and it looks like this next term she's on her way to being on the, uh, the, de- the, the, the principal's list, the dean's list, with all A's. And we attribute a huge portion of that to the ESA program.
4: John Wells is a parent of an an education scholarship account recipient. Coming up, we take a closer look at the education scholarship account and the legislative side of school choice. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB Car Tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road.
4: School choice advocates are urging lawmakers to renew the education scholarship account program, which ends this year. It provides about six thousand five hundred dollars to special needs students to help pay for tuition or services at private schools. Supporters of choice want to see the program extended. Nancy Loom of the Parents Campaign, however, questions whether Mississippi should be allowing public money to flow to private institutions. She shared her concerns with MPB's Desiree Frazier. The
3: question is whether we should use tax dollars, public dollars, to subsidize tuition at private schools. And at the Parents' Campaign, we believe that public dollars should be used for public schools that serve all children and that are accountable to taxpayers for the quality of education they provide.
6: The problem is, though, there isn't enough accountability, it seems, in terms of how the funds are used. People feeling like their school isn't providing the education that their children need. Rural schools, um, schools in high poverty areas, children, parents—they want more. Well, I would say that there is lots of
3: accountability for public schools. Where there is no accountability at all is with private schools. That. We know nothing about the quality of education that they are providing their students, which is one of the things that the peer report cited as a real problem with the current voucher program, is that there is no accountability to taxpayers. We don't know the quality of education being provided in private schools. Um, Overwhelmingly, parents are very pleased with their public schools, and they want their schools to be funded well.
6: So this session, what will you be doing in terms of the education scholarship accounts? Will you be lobbying that they not be reinstated? Well, as you know, uh, the peer
3: report pointed to lots of problems with that program, and we anticipate uh, a lot of those issues being addressed in this legislative session to make sure that if taxpayers are going to fund a program, that the the children that those schools are serving will, will actually be served well and have their special needs met.
4: Nancy Loom is the executive director of the Parents Campaign. Lawmakers in Jackson will ultimately decide the fate of the education scholarship account. House Republican Richard Bennett of Long Beach chairs the education committee. He tells our Desiree Fraser, efforts improving education are working, but recognizes the need for accountability if the ESA is to be continued.
7: Really enjoyed it. I think we've made some uh, a difference. I think we've made some strides in the right direction. Right now, our kids in poverty in the state of Mississippi are doing better than any other kids in poverty in the United States, and I think that is, uh, it speaks well for us. I think third grade gate was a game changer for Mississippi, and I'm proud of what we've done. So, yes, I've enjoyed it, and, yes, I'm, I'm willing to go back.
6: Uh, do you think there's uh, a will to create funding for pre-K across the state and collaboratives?
7: Oh, I think there's a will, absolutely. But, again, we've got to look at the funding. We've got to look at the money that we have. Right now, we have a little bit of money in reserve, but you got to realize if you put pre-K in, that's an own, uh, a reoccurring expense that you have to do every year. So we've just got to look at the money. But yeah, I, I think we're we're dedicated. I think uh, I think the Republicans want pre-K, and I think it will help us. And we're going to move in that direction. And whether it's this year, whether it's next year, it's coming.
6: Charter schools and vouchers—two issues that have been controversial your thoughts about that moving forward?
7: I think charter schools have done a good job. I think that uh, there's a need for them. I think we need to look at the program that we have now and see what's there. I think the voucher program that we have now has a lot of problems. I think that we need to uh, evaluate that before we extend it and make some uh, some changes before we even consider and extending it. And so if we can come to a compromise and we can work it out, hopefully vouchers will continue. But if not, they're not going to continue because uh, we give public money and I think you have to be held accountable on how you spend that public money and right now I don't know if they're being held accountable.
4: House Republican Bennett is chairman of the Education Committee. Democratic Senator Solly Norwood of Jackson is on his chamber's Education Committee. He doesn't support the program and tells our Desiree Frazier public money should go to public schools.
8: I've met with several educators all across the state. My, my position is uh, we fund the public schools. Let's fund the public schools. Let's give the public schools the money and the uh, necessary tools to educate all children.
6: What's wrong with parents wanting choice for their children?
8: Well, I'm not. I'm not in uh, in opposition to that. But with with the resources that we have, we only have. We, we're not fully funding public education. I certainly support parents wanting their children educated. I want them to receive a quality education, but I think it's unfair to take money away from uh, public schools and give it to other entities. That means that in, that, in those cases, you really uh, have doing it on, on both fronts. Let's fully fund or let's fund public education. Let's give them the necessary uh, resources to educate all children.
4: Democrat Sally Norwood serves on the Senate Education Committee. House Education member Larry Bird of Pedal tells our Desiree Fraser there is a need for the scholarship account, and he's optimistic something will pass.
7: I think so. I think there will be. They serve a purpose. There are children who have needs that are uh, some public schools are unable or unwilling to meet those needs, and that provides an opportunity for children to get an education that otherwise wouldn't uh, get the services that they need.
6: The peer committee report uh, last year found that there were some accountability issues. Better record-keeping was needed. Monies, in a few instances, were going to parents that shouldn't have received it.
7: Yes, but well, there are problems and, and we need some reforms. We need our, our tax dollars to, do, to go to accredited services.
4: Republican Larry Bird represents House District 104 in Forest County. Coming up, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, we examine the risks of acetaminophen overdosage. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Got an email. From uh, a listener, it says, "I have a fingernail that has separated and won't come back. Is there anything that I can do myself?" So, our fingernails and toenails are part of our skin. They're just uh, a little bit different cells in there that uh, have those different consistencies. Right where they attach, right where they disappear back down into the finger, not at the tip, but at the at the nail bed itself. Uh, that's the cells that actually make that hard material, that keratin that's, uh, that's uh, part of the nail. Let's say something happens to that nail bed on a certain time period. Maybe you've had a uh, prolonged illness for a couple of weeks, maybe you've had chemotherapy, or you had physical damage, like you dropped something on that nail. Well, that nail that gets uh, developed during that time in that nail bed, it's not gonna be normal. Uh, So it could be in this case that the nail was probably damaged at the nail bed in such a way that it fell off. 90-plus percent of the time, that's going to grow back. It does take time, again, one to two millimeters a day. But if it's been longer than that, you're unlikely to get that nail back. There are a couple of uh, things, though, to also keep in mind, particularly if there was a dark spot there. You definitely need to see the dermatologist because it's rare, but you can have some uh, skin cancers that actually develop at the nail bed. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fit to Eat, I'll be preparing blackened chicken with apple almond quinoa topped with apple raisin chutney and creole mustard greens. Our guest is Larry Stevenson, owner of Southern Cultured Orchards and Nursery and self-described fruit explorer. We're going to learn about grafting apples in northeast Mississippi, and Rebecca Turner is going to tell us about the differences between whole fruit and fruit juice. It's going to be a great show, so tune in. Join Chef Rob Stinson on Fit to Eat, every Saturday at 1, only on MPB-TV.
4: This year's flu season got off to an earlier-than-normal start and is on track to be one of the worst in decades. Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas have been among the hardest-hit states when it comes to the flu this year. That's according to the CDC. The acetaminophen awareness coalition is urging consumers to double-check their medicine labels when treating cold and flu symptoms to avoid doubling up on acetaminophen. Sophia Thomas is president of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. She explains the need to be aware of the active ingredients in the -the over-the-counter cold and flu medicines to avoid doubling up on acetaminophen.
0: People catch millions of colds every year, but 7 in 10 Americans use over-the-counter medications to treat their cold and flu um, symptoms, and many of these over-the-counter products contain acetaminophen, which is a safe and effective product if used uh, according to package directions but if they overdose or use too much acetaminophen um, that can cause complications two in three consumers don't consider other other over-the-counter medications that they're taking when they're choosing an over-the-counter cough or cold medicine so many of these medicines contain acetaminophen and in my practice as a nurse practitioner i have patients that come in every day with cold and flu symptoms and they let me know what products they're taking, and many times they're using more than one product which contains acetaminophen.
4: Oh, so they're actually double dosing?
0: They're double dosing, and there's actually research that shows that the chances of taking too much acetaminophen um, uh, increase by 24% during cold and flu season.
4: If there's acetaminophen in the cold medicine, which as you said is likely, what if they were to take another painkiller like uh, ibuprofen or naproxen or something like that is does that present problems as well?
0: No. So ibuprofen and naproxen are considered uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. They're in a different class from acetaminophen. So it's very safe to use Um, the ibuprofen or naproxen, on top of the acetaminophen. Um, The daily recommended dose by the FDA is no more than 4,000 milligrams in a 24-hour period. And taking um, it as uses directed, it's very safe and effective, but taking more than um, the prescribed dose can uh, be considered an overdose and can lead to liver damage.
4: What else, What, what are, are there symptoms initially that you're overdosing using too much acetaminophen?
0: Well, the most common symptoms of liver damage are, are jaundice, abdominal pain and swelling, dark urine or, or pale stools. Um, what we um, at the Know Your Dose campaign uh, recommend is for your listeners to always read and follow their medicine labels when they're choosing a medication. Check those labels um, for... Um, to to see if they see the word acetaminophen, which is usually listed on the front panel of the packaging. It's usually in bold or highlighted in the active ingredient section. Sometimes, though, what's important for them to know is acetaminophen may be listed as APAP, A-P-A-P, or acetam, A-C-E-T-A-M, on these labels. Um, They also need to be aware if they're taking any um, prescription pain medication like... um, Oxycodone, Percocet, or Vicodin, these medications can have acetaminophen in them. So if they take those as well as these over-the-counter cold and cough preparations like um, Dayquil, Robitussin, things like that, um, they may be doubling up on their acetaminophen dose.
4: Some people may not know acetaminophen as that. What are some of the brand names of acetaminophen?
0: The most common brand name of acetaminophen is Tylenol, and um, that's what we've known for for years um... And, you know, over the last 50 years, there have been over 150 studies on acetaminophen, and it's been shown to be very safe and very effective. And the most common uh, reasons that people would take acetaminophen are for pain and fever. So as we're looking at this flu season and people are choosing other medications to to, um, take for their their symptoms, they just need to be aware of uh, avoiding double dosing.
4: How old should a child be before they take acetaminophen?
0: There is uh infant uh Tylenol available and so if you have an infant that has has a fever over 100.4 you can use um uh the infant's Tylenol um very safely. I always though say if you do have an infant that has a fever, uh you should definitely um bring them into their healthcare provider. Uh, children generally check catch about uh, eight to ten viruses a year, which can cause fever. But there are other things that can cause fever in infants as well. So it's always a good idea to, to consult their health care provider
4: just in case. If someone is taking too much acetaminophen, if it's a child, are they more affected? Or if it's an elderly person, are there parts of the population that are more vulnerable to overdosing and the effects thereof?
0: Well, certainly people who have uh, compromised liver symptoms, uh, livers, if for example somebody that has uh, hepatitis C and things like that, uh, need to be cautious when they are taking any product that, that is uh, what we call metabolized by their liver. So certainly they should be consulting their healthcare provider before taking um, any medications because you want to be sure that uh, your body is um, able to metabolize it safely.
4: Sophia, you have a website for people to go to for more information?
0: We absolutely do. It's www.knowyourdose.org, and they can visit the website for a list of some common medicines that contain acetaminophen. Um, uh, We provide the names of the brand and generic names, so they can always go and check that. And we recommend to always read your medicine label to know if your medication contains acetaminophen. Again, it's very safe and effective Uh, when used at the appropriate dose, especially now during cold and flu season. But if um, they have any questions, they can go to knowyourdose.org, and we provide a lot of information there.
4: Sophia Thomas is the president of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners. Thank you so much, Sophia.
0: Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day.
4: You too. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.